Hi, Dr. Phil Flocks here, also known as John Billingsley. I volunteer for the Hollywood Food Coalition. We serve terrific meals to the unhoused seven nights a week. We assist a hundred nonprofits with their food needs. We work with community partners to address food insecurity in Southern California. If you're in LA, come and volunteer with us at hofoco.org slash volunteer. And any Federation credits you can spare go a long way. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 400 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for discovering Trek listeners. Fansets. Our pins have character. A Rutherford mystery a badass Boimler, and an old friend from Voyager. Episode 5 shows us that even Starfleet has to work hard at meeting their recruitment quotas, as Boimler and Mariner work at talking the talk, while Rutherford has a near-death experience and finds out there is more to his implants than we ever thought. We got lots to talk about this week, kids, so jump in the turbo lift and hit that down button. My name is Dan Davidson, and we are Discovering Trek, Lower Decks. Thank you so much for joining us, and welcome to Discovering Trek, the Star Trek Universe Companion, presented by Fansets. Episode 5 of Lower Decks gives us a whole lot of new detail about Rutherford while also showing us what life is like trying to get a bunch of aliens to join Starfleet. Well, it's kind of like when I had to recruit members of my team for this here podcast. You know, you hope for the best, and, and you take what you can get. And in my case, I gotta say, I certainly got the best, and I want to give a big welcome back to my two co-hosts, Bill and Casey. Bill, great to see you, buddy. And Lower Decks continues to impress, I gotta say. It does. It's uh, another great episode. Uh, I've, I've yet to see one that I've really, you know, not cared for. But this one I, I is probably, I don't want to spoil it. It's probably my favorite of the series so far. Of the whole series? Of the entire series. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Okay, Ooh. we'll get to that shortly. And Casey, uh, as always, good to see you, man. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts also on all the great Easter eggs that we saw this week, I'm sure. I tell you, there or was a not. lot of fun stuff <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. So obviously somebody's been drinking tonight. Um, but <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's, it's, As it's you be cut me discussion. off midway through. <laughs> it, oh, dead air. I don't want to be called dead air Davidson again. That used to happen back still, in the day. You mean still? Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, okay. Well, anyway, guys, you know, we have a lot to discuss, as always, this week. Uh, Lower Decks is fantastic, as it always has been. Before we get started, though, um, let's get a... We used to do this a couple of seasons. We haven't done it yet this season, but let's get a thumbs up or a thumbs down from each of us. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Great episode, great story, and it's got a real Star Trek meaning behind it. So I give it a big thumbs up. Casey, what do you think, bud? Oh, thumbs up. Most definitely. This was a quite an enjoyable episode. And, uh, you know, we're, we're getting deeper character development. I love it. And I think we're going to go three for three. What about you, Bill? I'm gonna go, not only going to go two thumbs way up, I'm going to take your thumbs and your thumbs and the thumbs of everybody listening wow. and point those in the up direction as well. 
Uh, I genuinely think this is the best episode of the series to date um, because it is such an exploration of the human condition. And we will talk more about that later on. Wow, a very nice segue. Uh, yeah, as Major always, Major I, 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 yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so we do have a lot to talk about, as we do every week. But before we do that, Bill, as always, why don't you tell our listeners how they can get in touch with us to give them their thoughts, to give us their thoughts on reflections. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. What, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> so much fun. We we have a lot to discuss, and you guys know how to get in touch with us, so I'm not doing the rest of it. All right, that's no, I'm kidding. <laughs> we definitely want to hear from you. The best way to do that, get yourself the Trek Geeks mobile app. It's available for iOS and Android. Download it, tap on that more button, and you'll get a whole bunch of ways that you can get in touch with us. And while you're at it, check out our brand new app-exclusive content that you won't be able to get anywhere else. Head to trekgeeks.com slash app for all the details. Plus, you can join our official Facebook group. That's right. It's the most positive Star Trek Facebook group there is. It's Camp Kinemer. It's real easy to join. Just head on over to Facebook, search for Camp Kinemer, answer a few questions that you know we've devised to make sure you're not a you know a a, a scammer like oh, Dan. Robot. That's <gasps> a robot. Dun dun dun. <gasps> Just answer those questions. We'll let you write in to take part of all the fun and positive discussion like Casey's hairstyle. It's just that simple. Boom. I didn't write that. Dan wrote that terrible joke. And of course, a big thank you to our wonderful Uh. admins, Haley, Jackie and Fark for the amazing job they do running the camp. But do remember though, if you actually respond to us, we're going to use that comment. Dan. Thanks for giving away my secrets, Bill. Uh, Okay. Black alert. Black alert. Uh, Before we start our discussion, we do want to warn our listeners that this episode of Discovering Trek Lower Decks does contain spoilers. So if you haven't watched Star Trek Lower Decks Episode 5, stop listening right this second. Head on over to Paramount Plus, watch the episode, then head back on over to Discovering Trek. Failure to do that puts you at risk, as always, to find out plot developments and character details for Reflections. So, Bill, I want to start with you this week because you said a couple of times since we started the, our discussion today that you think this is the best episode, not only of the season, but of the whole series of Lower Decks. And that's a that's quite a pedestal you're putting this episode on. I think. I don't. I don't think it's a pedestal at all. I think that's a. I think that's a, a genuine look at this. If if you take a look at it, I mean, we learn something about our Lower Deckers in each episode, but this one is an actual exploration of the two halves of Rutherford one that has been long buried and one that we've seen for, for some time. That whole exploration of the two Rutherfords in competition with one another is just so cool and so much more than you'd expect from an animated Star Trek series. But that's the thing. This episode is so Star Trek. It explores the human condition in its own unique way. And I love how it's done. Um, this isn't going to happen in a, or it will happen a different way in other series and lower decks did it lower deck style. And I thought it was perfection. I got to agree with you hundred percent. And the fact that there was so much to take in with this episode about Rutherford and his past and a, it was animated and B it was only 26 minutes long for the whole yeah. episode. And that's including the B story. And it was still unbelievable how much information we got about Rutherford. I will say one of the things, Casey, that I thought was interesting, and and I wasn't surprised because we've seen stuff like this, kind of, I guess, is that the Rutherford of old 
let's be honest, was kind of a dick. Um, and he had a huge chip on his shoulder and it, he had to prove stuff and it kind of like, was like, okay, so we've got a great Rutherford here. I wasn't surprised that the old Rutherford, when we did see him was completely opposite. Were you surprised or was it something that you expected? No, because I mean, for dramatic reasons, you can't have a character be extremely or very close to what they are now. Because part of like what, you know, Bill is saying, there's growth, you're seeing growth of these characters. And so, I mean, you know, we're all, I think, in certain ways, dramatically different than we were 8, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And I could just see that, you know, there's a, a youthful cockiness, sure of the ways, no matter what, doesn't want to listen to other people that might have a different point of view, might have lived through something and trying to have them learn the easy way rather than the hard way. And so for me watching this, it was like, yeah, the, the, this is, you know, two sides of, of one coin and <laughs> it's where we can be the best that we are. Or if we have a really crappy day, we're not. Well, you know, this episode is very reminiscent of The Enemy Within from the original series. Yeah. And I love that it keeps the spirit of what The Enemy Within does while doing it in a very lower decks way. I mean, hats off to Eugene Cordero. He created two very different versions of Rutherford that are both very relatable. And in this episode, it works beautifully. Uh, yeah, it really does. I, I you know, I, I said how what he was like at the beginning and, and through the episode, but I really like how he repented at the end when he realized the importance of friendship and family, which is at the very heart of Star Trek. And, and I did, I did appreciate that aspect of it. It was kind of sad to see him kind of fade away in in good Rutherford's arms. Uh, it was kind of a, a, a poignant moment. I thought that was uh, so emotional. It really was, and for an animated it was sweet. series, it's. It's amazing yeah. uh, over the last couple of episodes that we've watched that the emotion is really, really strong for an animated slash comedy series, that there's yeah. this much emotion, which goes to show that the writers really know what Star Trek is all about. Well, and Mike McMahon wrote this episode. He has written some of the best episodes of the series so far, mm -hmm. and this one is no exception. It's just, it, it's, it, it, they nailed it on every level. They really did. Um, one thing that I was surprised... Uh, that I go ahead, Casey, on, on Bill's comment. It's deep. <laughs> it's yeah, really it's very deep. Deep, and that's where we've talked before about. There seems to be a different tone happening this season for for the series, and uh, I'm appreciating what they're doing. And you know, we're we're still getting humorous segments involved coming through, but it. You know, who knows what has happened with all these people behind the scenes for the last couple of years, but we're getting a lot more emotion coming through and uh, from my point of view, thoughtfulness of each character. Mm. Oh, that's a very good point. No, absolutely. Uh, I haven't really actually taken into consideration that the writers may be kind of flowing what they've been feeling over the course of the pandemic into their writing. So no, that's a very good, that's a very good point, Casey. Um, I got to say, guys, I'm, I'm really going to be honest here for a second. I never thought I would say this, but oh my God, the Delta Flyer and Voyager Delta Flyer <laughs> uniforms. That was awesome. <laughs> I've never yes. been a fan of the Delta Flyer, but oh my God. Oh, I love the podcast, I will say, but I've never been a huge fan of the actual ship itself. Uh, and it was fantastic. It was beautiful to see it again in animated form, Bill. 
It it probably was some of my one of my favorite appearances of the Delta Flyer, <laughs> yeah. um, because it, it it was pretty badass. I'm mm-hmm. not gonna lie. And you figure that you know Rutherford needed something he knew could compete with Red Rutherford. And what does he do? He doesn't build his own design. He goes for something he knows is tried and true. And just the the nod to Voyager with those those sort of racing style uniforms they used. Mm-hmm. I think the episode was Drive. Yeah. Um, yep. Uh, it just it was awesome. It was it was really great, and and especially I mean we talked about it a minute ago the whole aspect of family when all of a sudden he says he's I forget what the actual order he gave a good Rutherford or green Rutherford I guess we'll call him because you called the other one red um, is he he says an order and all of the lower deck crew is there with him in the Delta flyer wearing the same uniforms showing what teamwork is all about I thought that was really what was what was very special with this episode well then there's that sort of cinematic treatment of the lower decks theme when. Yes, they, they appear. I'm not going to lie; that made me a little misty-eyed. Yeah, it's, we've always talked about how how important the music is in any Star Trek series, and it certainly was in that aspect. And speaking of that, those scenes with the Delta Flyer, is it just me, or am I the only one who loves the sound of a Romulan warbird decloaking? <laughs> it's so cool! It it's is so cool. So cool. And and you're talking about cinematic music, cinematic camera angles with the camera going right between both levels of those warbird wings was pretty awesome. And I was I was I was kind of clapping when that took place. Uh, it was pretty cool. <laughs> it's very hip. It's very, uh, the, you know, when you, you're thinking oh, I'm looking at, at something two dimensional and then they give you it's like these little visual presents Every now and again, you know, besides the whole show, where you're like, oh, somebody really thought about that shot and loved it. And now we mm-hmm. get that gift. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And the, those are the types of shots they just couldn't do back in the 90s. You know, it just it was it was beautiful. That whole animation of the race and the Romulans it is probably some of the best work they've done on the series because it was exciting. Yes. You know, it didn't look campy. It didn't look like flat animation. It it looked like a, a looked like an animated film, and I was here for it. It was really good. One of the things I talk about the special effects in the '90s. One thing that I thought was cool back then, but kind of weird, is that whenever the ship was making a quick escape, it always stopped on its tail and kind of rotated, <laughs> yeah, and then took off. <laughs> We got a lot better stuff with what we saw with the race and the Romulan Warbird this week, I got to say. Um, so back on, we're going to get to the whole fair thing in a, in a minute, guys. But I wanted to say one of the other things that I thought was really great about this Rutherford story is we have in Star Trek yet another big mystery on our hands that we're going to need to solve. And I don't know if you guys agree, and I'm going to want to get your thoughts. I have a feeling that the shady character in these memories that Rutherford has about what happened with his implants and the cover-up, that's going to be a big, big Star Trek name that we're all going to be like, holy bleep, when we find out who it is. Is it just me, or are you guys thinking the same thing? Bill? I'm not there yet. Hmm. I wanted it to be a voice that I recognize right off the bat, and it's not. Um, I... I, I wanted it to be a character like maybe Edward Jellico. I thought that could be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now I, I wonder if it's just going to be a, a character that we don't recognize. And I almost think that that's got just as much value based on the way they're doing the reveal. Casey. Yeah. As far as we know, it could be future guy from enterprise. Um, <laughs> true. That's true. Awesome. You know, <laughs> seriously. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, 
either way, I can go either way on this one. Cause, and I, I think that's a benefit for them depending on how they, how they want to play this. Uh, it just, um, I'm hoping we don't fall into the whole bad moral thing again mm-hmm. that we've seen. And, and I mean, we, we saw the emblem on, on, you know, yes, the uniform of the did. person yep. speaking. So yep. <laughs> who knows? I, I, there was a part of me that was hoping that it would be Bill Sadler in section 31, that Sloan would oh. be back. And lower cool. decks. I would so love that. That would be amazing. I have to say one other thing. That opening prologue where Rutherford is having his nightmare, I got to say, for me, that had flashes of the opening of the $6 million man. Bum, 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 bum. Nice. That's, you know? pretty, that's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yep. Because you, know, you see the accident, you see him, you know, lying in the bed, you see him going through, he's getting the, the attachments put on. Uh, it just, it, 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 I mean, Mike McMahon is a, is a nerd of a certain age. I have to believe that that kind of played into, into his calculus in writing that scene. Yeah. TV historian. So that would be very cool if that was the case. We'll have to ask him. I'll get him on the phone. Yeah. Dial him up. I'll I'll dial him up. Um, So all kinds of, uh, anything else we want to talk about, about the Rutherford part of the story, uh, before we move on to the, the fair until Ghana. When you, at that part later in the episode where he's hold, where blue Rutherford is holding red Rutherford Mm -hmm. and he, you see the accident and you see Rutherford lying there injured. That was brutal. The whole side yeah, of his body was lot. all so yeah. brutal. Yeah, I, uh, I, I felt things. You know, I, 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 this, I think this episode was emotional on a variety of levels. Mm-hmm. But when you see that, you know that that's what led him to this. It's like, wow, this character's, this character's seen some stuff, and it's interesting that he's wound up the way he has. Actually, that's a good point, and I want to before we move on, I want to ask about that. Rutherford is such a great guy as we know him in the three seasons of Lower Decks. What was it that caused him to change from that real jerk of a Rutherford in Red Rutherford? I mean, was it just the accident? Did the implants have anything to do with it? Was it just the fact that he's now in Starfleet living the life that he's always wanted? I mean, it would be very interesting along this storyline to find out where that change for the character started. Well, I think the episode kind of gives us the answer. You know, I, I think that it was buried by whomever gave him the implants. They created a version of Rutherford that was all kind of happy-go-lucky, you know, okie-dokie. Um, but I, I think that we're going to learn more about that as as Lower Decks progresses over the seasons. And he's just grown into that character the way that he wants to be now that he's dealt with Red Rutherford? And well, uh, who knows? Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Casey, what do you think? Po- po- yeah, possibly. But, you know, they, they pull a 180 on the character. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's much easier to control somebody who's chipper all the time and seems to be semi superficial of just la di da da da. Everything's wonderful. Hey, great. Instead of questioning things that will come about. Um, I, I think we're going to, we're going to see something of a, a bit of a middle ground where a little more grounded of a Rutherford of what's happening and maybe, question a little bit more than just enjoying the ride will be coming. It'll be interesting to see what we get in the rest of the season and seasons going forward. Uh, So we're going to talk about the uh, wonderful uh, Starfleet (laughs) recruitment tent uh, down on Telgana 4 as soon as we get done talking some business with our friends at Fansets. 
course, we want to take a moment to thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. I love the way that comes out, dude. The presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. So great. Uh, we absolutely love them. As always, we just love talking about all the cool stuff that they have available on their website. And, you know, they're adding new stuff all the time. So head on over to Fansets.com right now and check out their two new latest releases, the Women of Trek Raffi Musiker pin, uh, as well as the dreaded Confederation Delta from Picard Season 2 without the neck-slicing blades, I'm sorry to say, Bill, because I would definitely use it on you. The Delta is now available in both pin and magnet form over at fansets.com. Fantastic additions to any collection, Dan, with October 1st right around the corner. Chances are some new stuff will be available to start off the month. So everyone, get on over to fansets.com, put that Raffi pin and a Confederation Delta and a whole bunch of other stuff in your cart. And at checkout, be sure to enter the special discount code TREKGEEKS for 10% off your entire order. That's TREKGEEKS in all capital letters with no spaces. And of course, don't forget, when you spend more than $30, you automatically get free shipping in the U.S. Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. So, guys, back to Togana 4. We haven't been there since season one. It was kind of nice to go it's back true. there again. Yep. And uh, I got to say, one of the best things about having to work in the recruitment tent for Starfleet is having an animated Kirk and Spock photo opportunity <laughs> at the <laughs> tent. That was so awesome. With the Horda. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. I thought that was just fantastic. And I mean, perfect TAS animation likenesses of Kirk and Spock in that in that little photo op thing. I thought it was great. The ears were a little much on Spock. That's um, right. they were they were a little, yeah. uh, you know, overemphasized. Has to be because I, of that I, circle cut out. <laughs> I, I got to say, the idea of a career fair on Telgana 4 just seems a little weird, <laughs> a um, little. you know, but uh, I. It tells me that Screaming Boimler is the best Boimler. <laughs> and I, I yes. love that, that he gets pushed and pushed and pushed so far. And he, he does such a great job of trying to defend the Starfleet ideal and trying to be a, a good prototypical Starfleet ensign until they mess with his pip. And Don't that is touch the over. Pips. Don't touch the pips, baby. Mm -hmm. It's over. Yeah. That was that was great. It's And it was... You know, we've been talking about bold Boimler for the last few weeks. This was over the top bold Boimler going nuts, and I loved every second of it. Oh, he's, every single he's, second of it. Yeah, he's now boiled over Boimler. Yeah, he released absolutely. the Kraken. It was you. You can see it's like the the gentle person that that finally reaches the point, and the volcano comes out, and it is get your butt out of the way because this person has lost it, and you're all in deep doo-doo. That, that whole career fair gives us what is possibly the greatest line in Star Trek history. And it is, how do we know you two don't got butt bugs? Sounds like Vegas. It doesn't get any better. It sounds like Vegas. doesn't get any better than that. I don't know where the conspiracy <laughs> aliens all of a sudden became butt bugs, but I'm good with it. Because that's what I'm assuming that's all about. But anyway, mm -hmm. I don't know. I thought one of the cool things about um, what we saw at the fair was the Collector's <clears throat> Guild. Because we saw that alien race that we saw in the most toys. Not Kivas Fajo, but um, Parlor Toth was his name. It's the guy that had like the jewelry coming out of a nostril and wrapping around his head. And then going yep. in another hole on top of his head. This is what I love about Lower Decks. They give the opportunity to 
pull Easter eggs from God knows what and make it work in whatever scene it's being in. There were so many great things on Tolgana 4 that I loved about this episode, but as strange as it may seem, that was one of my favorite ones, Casey. It's a cool thing because what uh, you have such a deep, what, 50 years of history that you can go back onto and just find little nuggets that you want to play with. And I mean, if you think about it, I thought about this, the whole recruitment booth type thing, it was like a Klingon Ascension rights. You know, you've got pain on either side of you. And if you're someone <laughs> yeah. walking down the middle, it's like, you know, left and right. People are, no, do this. No, join us. This, oh, they suck. They suck. No, we're great. All this type thing. And it's like another little thing that they just keep bringing in where it doesn't have to bonk you over the head like a frying pan. Uh, but it's reminiscent of other events, other species, all this in Star Trek. And I love, keep loving that, you know, somebody is there on the staff thinking of, you know, what, what could we use? Who could we use? What could we bring in Mm -hmm. now where, like you said, it just adds, it's another thing to add. And you just, it's almost like a perfect throwaway joke where, it's just, it's said flat, you know, not like, oh, here's the punchline. You just flat. And then the person goes to the next joke and you, you, you kind of tilt your head for a moment and think about it and go, holy crap, that was really funny. Yeah. A- and it just keeps going. And it's like, sometimes watching the show, I just think of Norm MacDonald a lot of like his style yeah. of comedy. And I'm like, oh God, he, oh, he would have fit in with this show. Great. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It, there are also little other lines that are just, you know, references to things that fans have always talked about, like how uniforms keep changing in Starfleet. Mm-hmm. Or my favorite was seven years in a windowless room. Um, <laughs> honestly, now we know why O'Brien went to Deep Space Nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the other, I mean, there was a Stargazer model uh, at mm-hmm. the Starfleet tent. Um, we saw an Antedian. Um, we saw uh, a little Gorn uh, doll of some kind. We just saw all kinds of great things. Um, there was actually, did you notice the Wadi that were there? Yep. Uh, from from Move Along Home. Yeah, I you guys just, keep trapping people in games. Stop yeah. trapping people in games. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, it just... <laughs> I thought I thought it was really good that the, this was a perfect place. But one of the things that I like most, one of the Easter eggs I love most, didn't even actually take place on uh, on Tolgana Four and and at the fair. It was it was back on the Cerritos when uh, one of the Omicron SETI three plants was sitting there in the in the uh, shuttle bay uh, under uh, you know under like a force field or something. But they even talked about how it blasts out mind control pollen. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. I thought that was a great uh, reference to um, uh, this side of paradise. So mm, I missed that. You missed it. Oh yep. my god, it was great. At one point, it actually yeah. did the poof, but it was like <laughs> contained. Um, so yeah, it was it was pretty cool. And that, that brings me a question: in mm. the shuttle bay, when they're doing all their work, there's like a fake shuttle called the Sequoia over on the side. That's like handwritten. It's, got oh, it's like, not a fake. It's, it's not fake. It's, it's like it's, beat, it's like the one that they all just the work hell on to beat up and and but they've got drawings and cartoons written all over it. I just think that's kind of funny. But that's they just part, me. They parted out. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Spare parts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get to tinker what else with we that. Got for, that's, and they do actually tinker with it a lot. Um, so, you know, why you would you need somewhere. to part out an old shuttlecraft when you've got industrial strength replicators? Well, I'm just Thank wondering. you very much. I, you know. Well, but why, you know why what? do people, why eat real food? Why do people have old gold cars sitting in their garage that they tinker with? 
when they've got working cars in the driveway. And I, I, that's how I think about it. It's like, all right, that that's the beater 1970, maybe Mustang that someone bought and said, ah, uh, maybe I shouldn't have bought it, but I got it. Okay. Uh, I'll give it half hour every weekend of work. I don't, I don't know what to do with you anymore. <laughs> now? Anyway, finally. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So as Bill said, one of the best, if not the best episodes so far in Lower Decks. It is such a great story. Both stories were really great. You know, a lot of times you get an A story and a B story that's kind of eh, but both A and B this week were really good. A, of course, with Rutherford really was over the top with what we get with this character development, and I think it's important that we have that, Casey. Um, absolutely. It's wonderful what we're seeing in all these things. But And we haven't even mentioned Mariner in all of this. And Mariner and Ransom, come on. This is fantastic. Their their new relationship and how they're just trying to work with each other. Ransom being a hard ass is probably the coolest thing ever. (laughs) Yes. It's uh, it's totally what Mariner needs. And he might be my favorite first officer now. But you know what's um, great also, though, dude, is how he was when he was talking to Boimler when they were bringing him to the brig totally. at the end. Yeah, He's yeah. like, oh, yeah, I got to bring you to the brig. But that was pretty awesome. He was total <laughs> dude bro at that point. You know? <laughs> he really was. Um, but you know, Ransom, you know, he understands how to deal with Mariner at this particular mm-hmm. point as much as Mariner hates it uh, because no one wants to go to Starbase 80. Oh, Starbase 80. We didn't even talk about that. I don't even want to know what that's like. That'd be that's, like living with you guys for all time. Oh, that would be bad. It's like a yikes and a double yikes where everybody does not want to go to Starbase 80. So it's got to yeah. be horrendous. You know, they have to show it at some point now. They got to. They have just, to give us a glimpse of it. Oh, they have no. To. You just keep teasing it. And it's this is like Norm's wife who you never see. Morn never talks. <laughs> this type of a thing. And you just, you just let like tantalize it because whatever we're thinking is happening on Starbase has got to be worse than what they could actually show. <laughs> well, I wonder if maybe it's, it's worse because it's actually kind of normal. <laughs> that would be a very lower oh, decks thing. That's true. That you know, would be. Um, what if nothing exciting happens there? People just, you know, do all kinds of cool scientific experiments and, and enjoy living there I, I think that would be mariner's definition of hell quite so honestly. it'd be like working in the transporter room where you're literally just standing there for seven and a half hours out of the eight yeah. and then you're okay that's it it's like ah, okay mm. next shift in 16 hours great yep pretty much you know I, I think that would be you know in, in the eyes of ransom and mariner i think that would be hell Hell is, no, I'm not going to say it. Anyway, Casey, you know. <laughs> I knew where you were uh, going. Yeah, I know. You know where I was going. Um, we get to see Boimler lose his this week. And Rutherford has a lot to figure out regarding his accident. As Bill said, one of the greatest episodes of the series, to be sure. But I've got a feeling that we are all very excited about next week. So uh, what can we expect to see, buddy? Oh, well, Dan, next week, it's as simple as this. The Cerritos crew unexpectedly spends a day on Deep Space Nine. It's episode six of Lower Decks, Hear All, 
trust nothing, and we will be here to talk about it next week. Until then, come on, y'all. Remember that you can subscribe to Discovering Trek by searching for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or by downloading the most awesome Trek Geeks Podcast Network app. Yeah, and don't forget you can support Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network by subscribing to bonus content on Patreon. Get access to the unedited audio of all of our podcasts, plus a whole lot of other perks. That's right. And of course, we want to take a moment to recognize the following amazing producers of Discovering Trek. We are truly so grateful for their support. Christina Werther, Ken Tripp, Chris Trebuzio, Jim Stoffel, Terry Shell, Casey Chavsky, Major Self, Jamie Rogers, Casey Pettit, Sean O'Halloran, Charlie Mulvey, Darren Metcalf, Matt McGonagall, Lionel Marchand, David Hood, Kimberly Hartman, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Craig Ewing, Andy Davenport, Peter Craig, Kyle Castillo, Chaz Bradshaw, Steve Bovia, Mike Bovia, and the lovely and talented Jess Vashon. What? You got to tell me when you're going to read things backwards because I thought I screwed up the copy. <laughs> oh, leave this Never. in. This is perfect. No, Please. this is staying in. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, where's he going? What did I do? <laughs> this, is, this is what happens when you have a pro. Okay. Thank you. When, when does he show up? <laughs> Uh, he, he was just reading all those names. Uh, He's certainly not producing this mess. Good job. <laughs> the senior producer of Trek Geeks is the amazing Jude Tat. Jude Tatman. Hey, all. If you'd like to support Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks podcast network, what do you do? You beam on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks, where subscription levels start at a mere $2 a month. Of course, for more great Star Trek discussion, we want everyone to check out the other member podcasts on our network. In addition to Discovering Trek, there's Five-Year Mission, there's Deep Space Pride, Infinite Trek, Divine Treasury, Sci-Fi Sisters with the First Link, uh, Science Station 2, Drawn to Trek, a whole bunch of podcasts. We're excited to have them all. You can find all our podcasts, including where to listen, by visiting trekgeeks.com slash listen. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network, no one. No, you heard me. I said no one. Talk struck like we do. I no said one. good day. <laughs> well, everyone, we want to thank you for joining us for our discussion on Lower Decks Episode 5, Reflection. Bold Boimler is still going strong while we finally get a whole lot of new detail about Rutherford. It took a while to get here, but it's been worth the wait. As always, I want to give a huge shout out to my crew, Bill and Casey. Thanks, guys, as always, for a great discussion. And I also want to thank all of you throughout the Alpha Quadrant for taking the time to download and listen. The three of us will be back next week to discuss the one that I have been waiting for, the return to DS9 in Star Trek Lower Decks Episode 6, Hear All, Trust Nothing. So until next week, never stop discovering. Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.